You rock. I'm going to put this over here. All right. Let's get situated a little bit. We're going to jump into our lesson this morning. We are continuing this series. This is uh, number two, if you remember from last week. Along the Way is the name of this series. And what we are doing is we are, this is a four-week kind of Easter series. And we are talking about, if you remember from last week, disciples going from one place to another place. In almost all of these stories, they're going from one place to another place. And while they're going on the way, they're usually disrupted in some way. And last week, we looked at um, the, the three interactions, three of the interactions that Jesus had in Matthew 20 on the way to Jerusalem. And I asked you three questions. They were, what are, this morning, what are the lies, what is the truth that you are rejecting? You remember that? What are the lies that you are believing, and what are the voices that influence you? And I said that the way you answer those questions will determine pretty much everything about your life. The whole course of your life can be determined by the way you answer those three questions. But we have to slow down to even be able to start thinking about our lives in a way to answer those questions. And I played that video of the, the hike, that calming, peaceful trail video. Steve actually was like, where is that? I want to go there. Uh, but that is a part of Jesus' life, walking from place to place. And the time and the amount of like, reflection that that gives you, we don't have in our society anymore. We've like obliterated that from our society with our rapid pace of life and moving around and constantly like, give, bombarding our senses with entertainment and uh, stimulus. So let's calm down, let's slow down. Let's get back to the self-reflective lifestyle that Jesus wants for us. Today is Palm Sunday. We're talking about, the title of this lesson is Entering. And usually, Palm Sunday is like where the kids will be given like the fake palm leaves and they'll do the Hosanna. If, you've ever, if you grew up in church, I'm sure you did that. Uh, we're not going to do that. Palm Sunday is a joyous time. It's super encouraging and it's, you know, happy. But I'm going to be focusing on something slightly different this morning. We're going to go to Matthew 21. This sermon is going to have a lot of scripture in it, so I'm just going to give you that warning right off the bat. Lots of scripture. Uh, we're going to read a lot, and we're going to get very practical at the end. Let's start right in the story at Matthew 21. Matthew 21, starting in verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to, your, say to daughter Zion, see, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road. 
while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds went ahead of him, and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven! When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to see him at the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying, they asked him? Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants? You, Lord, have called forth your praise. And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany, where he spent the night. Now that is the, the day, Palm Sunday. From entering Jerusalem to leaving and sleeping in Bethany. We're going to come back and we're going to look at the the parts of this. But uh, my first point is probably the most obvious. King Jesus. This is the Palm Sunday message. This is the Hosanna, Son of David, highest praise. Yay, Jesus message. And that's good. The crazy thing is, though... We're going to look at some Old Testament scriptures that talk about this entry into Jerusalem. Specifically, uh, the the idea of a king riding on a donkey. The people that were on the road with Jesus, if you were there that day, and you were on the road with Jesus, and you start seeing the things that go down, you're connecting this. To all the scriptures that you grew up with. And you're like, I know what is happening right now. And I want us to remind that. They might have even said, oh, they might have even tapped each other and reminded each other. Do you see what is going on right now? This is amazing. Let's look at a few. This is the famous one. Zechariah 9.9. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly. And riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. That's the famous one, Zechariah 9.9. We're going to come back to that. 1 Kings 1.33. Take the Lord's servants with you and have Solomon, my son, mount my own mule and take him down to Gihon. And then 1 Kings 1.43. Our Lord King David has made Solomon king. The king has sent him with Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, the Kerithites and the Perithites and all of those guys. Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet have anointed him king at Gihon. From there, they have gone up cheering. The city resounds with it. Oh, I skipped over the, they have put him on the king's mule. Kings and leaders of Israel across the Old Testament have this picture. They have a lot of history about riding on donkeys instead of horses. Especially when they're proclaiming peace instead of war, which is awesome. There's more. If you look at Judges 10.3, you can just write these down. Uh, they talk about the, 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 not king at that point, but the leader of Israel and his sons, and they all had donkeys. And the same thing in Judges 12.13, 40 sons, 30 grandsons who rode 70 donkeys. 
And in 2 Samuel 16, the king, of Zeb, the king asked Zeba, why have you brought these? Zeba answered, the donkeys are for the king's household to ride on. And so Jesus comes on the scene. He says, hey, guys, we're going to go into Jerusalem, but I want to go in riding on a donkey. And everyone goes, what? I know what that means. You don't just say, I want to go in riding on a donkey and not carry a lot of baggage. That would be like if you like, were driving into Washington, D.C. or something, and you, you put like, uh, like Air Force One on the side of your car or something, which is silly, but you would be making a statement by doing that, right? There's more. Let's look. In 2 Kings 9, 12 and 13, this is what the Lord says. I anoint you king over Israel. They quickly took their cloaks and spread them under him. And in Leviticus 23, 40, take branches from luxuriant trees, from palms, willows, and other leafy trees, and rejoice before the Lord your God. And so Jesus says, I want a donkey. His disciples start taking off their cloaks, and people start chopping branches off of trees. And they're like, we know what's happening right now. We get it. And we're all in. We want this. And they want King Jesus. And that's awesome. That's what... That's what they want. They want King Jesus. And they start shouting and Hosanna and all that. And it's great. Here's another one in Psalm. Psalm 118. This is the famous, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Let's keep reading. The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine on us. With bows in hand, join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. When they shout, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, and we got, we got branches in our hands. And Jesus says, hey, we're going to Jerusalem. Where are we going, Jesus? We know where he does go. He goes to the temple. Like, we're going to the temple. They go, I get it. I know what's about to happen. King Jesus is coming. Here we go. And this is awesome. And I want us to think about what King Jesus means to us today too, okay? Because it meant something back then. And we're going to talk about how it's not exactly what it means. But I want us to talk about what King Jesus means in your life. And we should be just as happy about the idea of King Jesus. We call that lordship. Is Jesus my king? Is, it, is, is your question this morning. Is Jesus my king? Is Jesus Lord of my life? It was announced earlier, and I'm going to announce it again. This is Morgan's baptism on Friday night at uh, Pat and Webb's house, and it was such an awesome occasion. And, she, and uh, Jen asked her good confession. And Morgan said, Jesus is Lord. <coughs> And that means something. That is not just a mindless, like, chanting incantation. It means that my will, from this day forward, my will will be sacrificed. That I am the servant. And Jesus is my master. And that's not easy. It's not an easy life. And we're going to talk about all the ways it's not easy. But we have to start there. If we're going to have a Palm Sunday sermon, we've got to start. 
Is Jesus Lord of your life? I'm going to ask that a bunch more as we go on. But, but I, wish it, I wish it could stay there. And yet, Jesus does the craziest thing, guys. Point two. Wait, what? <laughs> this is where the story starts to take a turn. Because the people thought that Jerusalem, and specifically the temple, they thought that was the finish line of the journey. And Jesus, if you remember how the passage we read in Matthew 21, how it ends, says, and then Jesus left them and went and spent the night in Bethany. I want to focus on this, that Jesus left. We're going to narrow that down. But, but remember the Zechariah scripture, scripture about the, the king riding in on a donkey? I want to read that. I want to read the whole thing, and I want to imagine that you're, I want you to imagine that you're one of the disciples, and you're shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, and you've got your palm branches and you're like, we're going to the temple, we're going to Jerusalem with King Jesus, and this is what's running in your mind, okay? Because this gets real. Another long scripture. Zechariah 9.8, but I will encamp at my temple to guard it against marauding forces. Never again will an oppressor overrun my people, for now I am keeping watch. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. Return to your fortress, you prisoners of hope. Even now I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. I will bend Judah as I bend your son's grease as my bow and fill it with Ephraim. I will rouse your son's Zion against your son's grease and make you like a warrior's sword. Then the Lord will appear over them. His arrow will flash like lightning. The sovereign Lord will sound the trumpet. He will march in the storms of the south. And the Lord Almighty will shield them. They will destroy and overcome with sling stones. They will drink and roar as with wine. They will be full like a bowl used for sprinkling the corners of the altar. The Lord their God will save his people on that day as a shepherd saves his flock. They will sparkle in his land like jewels in a crown. How attractive and beautiful they will be. Grain will make the young men thrive and new wine the young women. And this is the scripture that people are reminding each other of as they're walking up to Jerusalem, as they're going to the temple. The scripture literally says, we're going to encamp at our temple and keep marauding forces away. And they're like, I guess that's what we're doing. And Jesus walks straight into the temple. And so we think of Jesus as going in there and like causing a ruckus. He probably walked in there with a mob of people and he just said get out and the and the people were probably like let's go I, this is this is out of control and we don't know that for sure but but palm sunday is this day of like we're taking back the temple and so here i am a man standing there waving palm branches blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord 
We're headed to the temple. King on a donkey. We're going to stay there. Make it a base. Everyone who's not down for the cause, get out. We're about to turn the tables over. Get your slings. God is on our side. We all know that this is what's happening. This is where we shine. This is where we become attractive. We're beautiful. Our young men and women are about to thrive. (laughs) And then Jesus leaves the temple. This is the way, what? What just happened? Jesus almost perfectly recreates an ancient prophecy about revolution, what seems like revolution, and he does just enough to make everyone perfectly confused. He's like, all right, now that that's done, good night. (laughs) And he just walks away. And he goes and he spends the night in the garden. Like, wait, what? I thought this was the finish line. I thought this is where we're going to make our stand against the Romans and God is going to come down and do the miraculous things we read about in all the Old Testament stories. That's not happening? Jesus is like, nope. And here's, the, here's why I'm making this point. Because he is still doing that to this day in all of our lives. And you're like, what does that mean, Ben? Let's dig in. I want you to wrestle with the fact this one thing, that Jesus left. Jesus, the God who left their plans and abandoned them. Jesus, even right up to now, his plan still continues to prove that it is not our plan. You have a plan, I have a plan. We have lots of plans. You might have a plan about the way you think your life is going to go. Plan about your work, plan about your schooling, plan about your relationships, plan about a spouse, a plan about a lot of things. You may even spiritualize them and be like, God gave me this dream and vision and I see it. And Jesus might be like, no, it's not my plan. And what do we do when Jesus leaves? What would we do then if we were there and we're like loading up our sling stones? Like, I read the Bible. I know what's coming next. And then we're like, wait, where's Jesus? And the whole crowd is like, wait, Jesus is leaving. He's walking away. We miss that. So what is your plan? And what happens if Jesus does something different? Can we even comprehend that? Or do we always be like, no, 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 Jesus is still with me. On my plan. Jesus as king, still to this day, seems perfectly content working in our lives in such a way that will test our lordship. He is not the king on a horse riding to war, forcing his will on you. It would be easier if he was. Right? It would be easier if it was just so like you don't have a choice. Jesus constantly gives us choices. He's the king on a donkey who leaves. And then he gives you the choice. Do you want to follow? Think about the times in your life when things didn't go the way you planned. And the older you are, the more things you can think of. (laughs) 
Just here, I can think of, I can think of things in your lives that we've shared, you've shared with us. This was, this was like, like when we moved here, and when some of you moved here, you thought it was going to go a certain way, and it didn't go that way. We'll come back to that. You thought you knew how it was going to go. You banked on it. You made it super spiritual. You were like, no, I'm just going to be faithful. And I'm gonna, this is it. And then Jesus left. And we're like, wait, what? What does that mean? When Jen and I moved here, we thought we knew how it was going to go. No clue. <laughs> Even like Tom and Lori, we, they came here last, what was that, at Christmas time? And they were like, this is the conversation that we're going to have. And then they showed up at church and they're like, that was horrible. <laughs> it didn't go the way we thought it was going to go. I remember Jacob and Emily. Hey, this is what we're going to do when we get here. Didn't go the way they, were gonna, they wanted it to go. Multiple people. Like, this is what I think is going to happen in my life. A job, a career even, a relationship, a house. Remember our condo? <laughs> we're like, this is such a great place. We're going to live here. And then, you know, I told you the story. Wake up and the water's just gushing in our kitchen. And then the, then the housing market like explodes and we have this like wasted, like we wasted so much money for years and years. We had a business, closed. Maybe, I'm going to be very in intentional the way I say this, maybe that plan was your temple. And you marched to that temple with shouts and praise and dreams of how it was going to go, and then Jesus left. And you're like, wait, what happened? You list off the things in your mind of all the things that you thought, I knew how this was going to go, and then it didn't go that way. None of them went the way I thought they should. But when Jesus leaves the temple, do you follow him? So what is the plan in your life right now? Like the next plan. You can think back on all the plans that didn't go right. But what's the next plan? What's the next thing that you're like dreaming, envisioning, and you're like asking God to bless you? And that's great. We should do that. But the problem is we think this is definitely what God wants in my life right now. And I'm just asking you, what if it's not? Do you stay and fight at your temple, or do you follow Jesus wherever he goes? Some of your lives have literally been formed by a series of decisions to stay and fight for your plan when Jesus left. And you didn't follow him. And then what? What happens to a person's faith when that happens over and over and over and over again? I'm going to talk about this a lot. There's the Jesus path. And sometimes the Jesus path leads us to something and then leads us away from that thing. But we're like, no, this is the finish line. And Jesus is like, this ain't the finish line. I'm still moving. And you're like, then why did you even bring me here? We thought that about our business. Oh my gosh, guys. We prayed, for, like, God, show us what you want us to do. Please bless this. If it's not, if it's not your will, don't let us do it. He's like, it is my will. And then it's my will that's going to fail. <laughs> and we're like, what? No, don't do that. And it can lead to 
point three, which is, never mind. <laughs> we just decide that it's too much. I can't keep doing this, God. And we do what so many people did that week 2,000 years ago. It was fun. He's a cool guy. I marched in his parade. I waved the palm branches. I shouted Hosanna. I went up to the temple. I was ready to die for my country, but he left and slept in a garden somewhere, so I'm out. I'm not doing this. And so we go from entering Jerusalem as a king in just a few days. This is what happens. He's arrested, Luke 23. Pilate called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people and said to them, you brought me this man as one who was inciting the people to rebellion. I have examined him in your presence and have found no basis for your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. As you can see, he has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I will punish him and then release him. But the whole crowd shouted, away with this man! Release Barabbas to us! Barabbas had been thrown into prison for an insurrection in the city and for murder. Wanting to release Jesus... Pilate appealed to them again, but they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. For the third time, he spoke to them, why, what crime has this man committed? I have found him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I will have him punished and then release him. But with loud shouts, they insistently demanded that he be crucified. And their shouts prevailed. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, the one they asked for and surrendered Jesus to their will. Lordship is where we surrender our will to Jesus. And it, sometimes we get a curveball, we get the, wait, what? And then we're like, never mind. I'm done with this. Jesus can start submitting to my will. Their, their will was originally for King Jesus, but then when they were faced with a different plan, their will became kill Jesus. And they got what they wanted. Here's one way to ask what I want us to start working on in our hearts. Have I taken back my lordship away from Jesus? Guys, the struggle is real. It's hard to keep Jesus on the throne when he just keeps giving us so much freedom to choose whatever we want. The lordship of Jesus is so challenging because you can take it back from him anytime you want. You're not a robot. You're not a zombie. You're not a slave. Except by your own choice to live under the lordship of Jesus. And you can be like, no, nah, this is dumb. I don't want to be, I don't want to be anyone's slave. I'm my own boss. I do what I want. And Jesus is like, Just tell him to get off the throne, and he will. And you may not even realize you're doing it, but you are. And some of us, we're just the type of person, we get what we want. Oh, I, I put my mind to something, it's going to happen. I guarantee it. And if that means i got to like set Jesus aside for a while, that's fine. I've practiced that. I'm good at it. Jesus is awesome, but I'm going to get what I want, even if I have to wrestle back control of my life. And then I'll say he's awesome later. Right now? do what I want to do. Here's another way to ask this. I'm, am I making Jesus Lord of my life every day? 
Some of us said Jesus is Lord years ago. 10, 15, 20, or more years ago. I'm glad you did that, and good for you. But what about today? Did you make Jesus Lord of your life today? Palm Sunday is awesome, and it's beautiful, but it's also a sobering reminder and a warning. It's, what we just saw is a repeating pattern of spiritual behavior that we can find in ourselves. King Jesus, awesome. And then we get a, wait, what? Never mind. And for 2,000 years, this has been happening, and it's happening still, and it's happening in this room right now. Marriage, it was awesome, and everything was great, and then it wasn't, and I'm done. Job, career, success. I felt like Jesus had my back, and God who had blessed me with so much stuff, and then he took me to this thing that I thought, this is definitely God's will, and then, nope. And when we come face to face with the, wait, what? We're like, done. I'm not, I, can't, I can't keep doing this. Our health. We have health problems even here in the room. Guys, our bodies are so frail. We were just visiting Mark in the hospital, and he's, he's dealing with, like, seriously terrible things right now. Please pray for him. Interpersonal relationships, relationships even between brothers and sisters here in the room. Proverbs 13, 12 says that a hope deferred makes the heart sick. And that's what we feel like so much. Man, I put my hope on this thing, and it, it was deferred. It didn't work out, and now my heart is sick. And we actually just have to get good at telling each other, like, I'm a little heart sick right now. Because life isn't going the way I want it to. There's nothing wrong with that. We can't control the turmoil. We can't control the chaos, the hevel. We can't control the weight. What is going on right now? But you can control how you respond to it. And whether or not you follow Jesus through the, through the confusion, or whether you stay in your temple and you fight. So do you guys remember when we did the, the villains thing? We talked about the three throne rooms. So here's the picture of like worldliness and debauchery. You are on the throne of your life. The entire world is before you. You can do whatever you want. You can make whatever choices you want. You can suck up all the pleasure out of life and just like drink it in. And this is like, I'm in control and I have the whole world ahead of me. And then at some point, you're like, but I keep getting in a lot of trouble when I live like this. My life isn't going well when I live like this, so you know who I need? I need Jesus. And so you kick out the world, and you invite Jesus into your heart, and you're like, Jesus, come, stand next to me, and you can be my trusted advisor. God is my co-pilot, and you can tell me what to do. You can be my conscience, can, like the, good, the little angel on one shoulder can yell at the devil on the other shoulder, and you will tell me what to do. But even this pales in comparison to a life of lordship, where you get off the throne, you are not the king of your own life anymore, and you then let Jesus 
rule. This is lordship. And the reason why I'm showing this is because when we go through that cycle, King Jesus, yay. Wait, what? And then we hit that point where we're like, well, now I have to make a choice. And some of us go back to worldliness. Some of us are like, you know what? Lordship is dumb. I'm going to do whatever I want. And some of us settle here. Some of us are like, you know what? I've gotten good, and I have friends, and I like going to church, and this feels good, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit on the throne. And no one will know. No one will know. Does that mean? <laughs> oh, they'll know. Some of us made Jesus Lord of our lives. We shouted Hosanna. We said we'd die for him. But over the years, we built our own personal hopes, dreams, visions, and plans into temples. And we decided that they were more important than Jesus being on the throne. And Jesus left because that's, what, that's, how, he, that's how we do. <laughs> right when he leads us to something, he'll be like, mm, let's keep going. And we're like, no, 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 it's right here, Jesus. This is everything I wanted. Jesus left, and maybe you didn't follow him. We stayed, and we fought for our plan. And this is one of the hardest things, guys. We knew the Christian life wouldn't be easy, but we at least thought it would make sense. And then when Jesus does something that's so confusing, why did you lead us here if you were just going to go somewhere else? Little by little, the Jesus path moved away from your plans and you stayed. But you keep coming to church, keep putting on the show, and you wonder, why do I have no peace and joy in my life? You actually may even think, my life was better without Jesus. Because you're in such turmoil. We might not even realize that we've settled into a religiousness where Jesus hasn't actually been on the throne for years. He's just there in the corner. Patrick is going to come and do our, our communion, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap it up here. But if, you are, if you're new or you're visiting with us, I really hope that we could sit down, study out what is lordship, and what does it look like in our lives? If you've been a Christian for a long time, and this convicts you, this pricks your heart, please spend some time in prayer, in meditation, and talking to someone. I would encourage us all to have relationships in our life so that the next time it happens, the next confusing, wait, what? We have people who will help us stay on the Jesus path even when it's leading away from our temples. You are not left to figure it all out on your own. We're, in, we're all in this together. And so next week, guys, is Easter. I promise it'll be a little bit more fluffy than this one. <laughs> we're going to look at Resurrection Sunday. The title is going to be Discovering. We're going to look at a journey that the women were on. They thought that they were headed to a tomb to take care of a dead body. And instead, they encounter an angel who gives them the most life-changing news the world has ever heard or seen. And that's what we get to celebrate next week. But this week, please think about your own throne room, 
Think about the temples that you're building and ask those questions. Is Jesus Lord of my life? Amen? At this time, Patrick is going to come up and do our communion. Come on up, Patrick.